0: I think I'm getting used to this place. A week or two ago, I probably would have been disgusted at the thought, but I seem to be adjusting to my surroundings rather well. People here don't want to talk, and now I don't expect them to. It makes things easier. I feel like my bar of expectations for this place keeps getting lower, and the lower it goes, the less surprised I am by every curveball thrown at me. That doesn't stop me from feeling homesick, though. I have a life somewhere far away, a house with someone waiting for me there, a car, bills, nosy neighbors, a rude landlord. Funny how we take things like that for granted, until we find ourselves on a strange, deserted island town far away from home. I miss little things, like paper receipts. It's a strange thought, but it's the little things like that that remind me of the life that's waiting for me out there. The one I put on pause to be here. I tried to call home once. I, I thought that would cheer me up. Three times I tried to call Mike, walking all around, looking for his signal, but nothing went through. I think I miss him the most. Joanna's at work today. When she gets back, we're going to take another look into Pandora's box. (laughs) That's my corny way of referring to the flash drive we've been working with recently. It's the little things, the little personal jokes, that keep my sanity strung together as I sit, by myself, in this motel room.
1: Where do you want to start today?
0: I don't know. I can't believe the amount of material on this thing. It must have taken your father years to get all this.
1: It must have been a passion project for him. I'm surprised he was able to do so much without me noticing.
0: Well, last time we just sorted the files by the date they were last saved.
1: You want to keep going down the line?
0: I suppose. I don't see any other logical way of separating the work.
1: Let's see. After doorbells, the next folder is titled Black Candy.
0: I'm sure this won't be abnormal at all.
1: (laughs) Hey, this is what you came for. I should hope there's something worth writing about in here.
0: The file contains three scanned documents and a text file. Two of the scanned documents are labeled as Missing Persons Reports, dated about fifteen years ago. The third is entitled The Missing Return, and the text file is called Andrew's Confectionery Factory.
1: Should we start from the top?
0: I think so. If you would, uh, why don't you read the two Missing Persons Reports?
1: Sure. It looks like a flyer, and the title reads, Three Walton Boys Missing. The chief of the neighborhood watch would like to bring the disappearances of three young boys to the attention of everyone in Gamora. The three boys all belong to the Walton family, John, Luke, and Perry. The boys went missing two days ago, and no trace has been found of them since. The boys were last seen at their parents' house, located at 11 Sherwood Lane, on the night of June 10th. The following morning, the boys' rooms were empty and a missing persons report was filed. Before disappearing, Perry Walton described a figure to his parents that had been stalking the property line for multiple nights. Anyone with information regarding the boys' whereabouts, or anyone who witnesses any stalkers trespassing on private property, is strongly encouraged to contact the neighborhood watch.
0: Nothing strange here. Sounds about like your average missing persons report. Let's move on to the next one.
1: This flyer is called Disappearances Continued, Eight Total Now Missing. The Chief of the Neighborhood Watch would like to bring the disappearances of five local children to the attention of every citizen in Gomorrah. These disappearances occurred shortly after that of the Walton boys, who have now been missing for a week. The five most recent disappearances have occurred between the 13th and 17th of this month. Each victim is under the age of 15 and attended the Whitaker School of Excellence. Since the release of our previous statement, multiple parents have been able to give an account of the figure previously mentioned. To their parents, children describe the figure as stalking, seen through bedroom windows on the edge of property lines. Occasionally, the figure will tap on the window of its victims. Shortly after describing the figure to their parents, the children go missing. The vagrant has been described as being dressed in bright clothing resembling a clown, jester, or magician. In the bedrooms of the victims, after investigation, a strange black substance has been found in and around beds, desks, and dressers. This substance is wrapped in cellophane, labeled Andrew's Black Licorice, but only contains waste. hairs. Bugs and shards of glass have been reported within the cellophane wrappers. Anyone with information regarding the missing children, the brightly clothed figure, or the abnormal black candy should immediately contact the chief of the neighborhood watch. The names of the missing persons are as follows Becky Serif, Eugene Thomas, Robert and Linda Smith, and Allie Wright.
0: Eight total missing children. And no connection besides that they all went to the same school. The only school in town, I'm guessing.
1: Wait, I know these names. I know these people. A few of them were in my classes.
0: Do you remember any of these disappearances happening?
1: Kinda. It was a weird time. Everyone had a curfew. You couldn't leave your house without a parent present.
0: Well, it must have ended on a brighter note. After all, the last article is called The Missing Return. Do you want to read that one?
1: No, I remember what happened. You're on your own for this one.
0: What's the matter? What do you mean by that?
1: Just read it.
0: Here goes. After three months of worry, all eight children have been returned to their homes. All appear to have suffered no outward injury aside from severe weight loss from apparent malnourishment. Each child, however, is missing all of their teeth. Oh. Teeth have apparently been ripped out, leaving swollen and infected gums which produce a dark pus-like substance. Overlooking this, parents are overjoyed to have their loved ones back. No one has made any report of the figure who is suspected as being guilty of the kidnapping. Jesus.
1: Yeah, that was a pretty dark time. I'm surprised the flyer doesn't describe what they were like when they came back.
0: What were they like?
1: They were... sad. They said they had the time of their lives while they were away and they didn't want to come back home. All they could talk about was all the candy they had eaten. They said it was the best candy they had ever had.
0: That seems odd.
1: Like I said, it was a strange time. All of the families affected left the town after that. It caused the mayor to create a new immigration law.
0: The one about no one being able to leave the island without a stranger?
1: Right. He said the law was his way of keeping Gamora's business in Gamora, that outsiders wouldn't understand our ways and would judge us unfairly.
0: I'm surprised people would follow it so easily.
1: Well, most people don't want to leave. Unless there are extreme circumstances, people are happy to stay put.
0: I guess so. Anyway, I'll move on to the text file. It's called Andrew's Confectionary Factory. Looks like this one was written by your dad. And the title simply reads, A Brief History. I have compiled, after countless hours at the library and the town hall, the history of Andrew Cullen and his confectionery factory. Andrew Cullen emigrated to the island by himself in 1955. An entrepreneur, he came here seeking his own fortune, bearing a family recipe for black licorice. Andrew was able to build a shop around it, the very first candy shop on the island. Andy's Sweets, located right on Main Street, which opened on June 10th. His slogan, Candy So Sweet You'll Lose Your Teeth. For a time, Andrew was very successful. He was very popular with the local kids. He would often give candy away, and everyone loves free candy. Andrew was so successful that, in time, he was able to open a larger shop in a different part of town. Andrew diversified, trying new candies and new recipes, and each one was a hit. His shops were always full. A time came, years later, when business was so good that Andrew decided to open up a factory in order to mass-produce his product. The factory was located here on the island and his intention was to spread his sails across the water to the mainland. Unfortunately, it is here that tragedy struck. After the mass exodus from the island in 1972, Andrew could hire no one to work at his factory. Tens of thousands of dollars of product and machinery were wasted. Andrew began to hemorrhage money. His business, which he had fought so hard to build, was crumbling beneath him. A day came when the bank was forced to foreclose on his factory, as Andrew was unable to keep up with the payments. On that day, the body of Mr. Cullen was found, in his own factory, in a vat of black licorice. That day was June 24th, 1973, tragically only two weeks after the anniversary of his first shop opening. After that day, the legacy of Andy's Sweets was dead.
1: I've seen that factory. I used to ride past it on my bike when I was a kid.
0: The factory, is it still standing?
1: I'm not sure. I remember it was pretty broken down back then. No one in town has use for an old factory, so it just sits there.
0: Do you remember where it is?
1: Yeah, I could probably find it again. There's still a few hours of light left. Do you want to get in the car and go see
0: it? Thought you'd never ask. Joanna's memory was better than expected. It only took us about 20 minutes to find the old building. We didn't dare go inside, as the place looks like it could fall apart at any moment. From a distance, I could see that parts of the roof had already fallen in. It's a big place. A large parking lot surrounds it, with loading docks in the back. A row of trucks, all bearing the logo of Andrew's company, sit in a row, slowly being eaten away by rust. Near the entrance, there's a plot of land that looks like it once had a bit of landscaping. Now it's just a patch of tall brown weeds. Above the entrance, there's a broken-down sign reading Andrew's Confectionery Factory. The paint is peeling and the colors are faded. Above the sign, there's a mascot. The mascot of his company, Andy the Clown. It's supposed to look like a jolly old thing, all brightly dressed, but after years of neglect, it's just a hollow shell. A white, sun-bleached face with sunken eyes, staring out into nothing. Thanks for listening to the Gomorrah Podcast. The Gomorrah Podcast is written, voiced, and produced by R.L. Salter. If you like what you hear, leave a comment, subscribe to us on iTunes, and tell your friends about us. Look out for the next episode of the Gomorrah Podcast in two weeks. Join us again in our continuing search for rest, solitude, and meaning.